How has the construction of the barrier around Jerusalem changed the lives of its residents? And will we ever see an end to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict? From the University of Chicago's Harris School of Public Policy, this is Chicago Policy Radio. Amos Gill, thank you very much. You're very welcome. So how does the city of Jerusalem look right now, and how has the settlement, uh, construction of Israeli settlements east of the Green Line uh, changed the makeup of the city? Oh, it looks very, very convoluted and, 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 and uh, uh, multi-layered. Um, you have only Israelis, i.e. Jews, living in the west part of the city. You have many, many uh, Israelis, i.e. again Jews, as well as Palestinians, living in the east side of the city. In fact, on the east side of the city, you have the majority of the entire population of the city of Jerusalem. And while, while you only have uh, Israelis, Jews, on the west side, uh, in this side, the communities, the neighborhoods of Palestinians and Jews are totally intermixed, and you can hardly uh, uh, know where you cross from one area to the other, although they look absolutely different in terms of the construction and the infrastructure in those areas. So how has the city changed since the construction of the Israeli West Bank barrier? The city changed in a few uh, very significant ways, I think. Number one, the city is now, once again, as it uh, was until uh, the Six-Day War in '67. once again, the city is now blocked uh, eastward. Uh, this was the situation from 1967 until 19... I'm sorry, this was the situation from 1948 to 1967. Jerusalem was at the very end of the State of Israel. Now this is again the, the, the case that the city is blocked to the east. Uh, in the years between 1967 and when the barrier was erected, Israel was a, like a cosmopolitan city, very open to both west and east. This is now finished. This is not, not the case anymore. Secondly, for the Palestinians who live in what became known as East Jerusalem, uh, they are now totally uh, fragmented and uh, detached from the West Bank uh, due to the barrier which now stands between them, them and their families um, um, and infrastructure further to the east. Does the Israeli state treat re different residents of Jerusalem differently, and how might it treat different residents differently? Yeah, unfortunately, this is certainly the case on two levels. Number one, um, while the Israelis, Jews, who moved to live in East Jerusalem, which I must stress is occupied territory according to the world, but it is part of Israel according to Israeli law, so while the Israelis who moved to live there are still full citizens of the State of Israel, the Palestinians who had always lived there um, and considered themselves occupied by Israel have not been given Israeli citizenship, although they are now part of the uh, 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 um, people of Jerusalem. Instead, they were given a secondary status called permanent residence, which can be equated with the American green card. So this is the first very big difference. They are not full citizens of the State of Israel. They do not have full political rights in the, in the state where they live. And mind you, we are talking about uh, qu one quarter of a million people, and they make about 36% of the 
of the population of the entire city. So this is one major difference between the two communities. Another major difference is that while everybody, Israelis and Palestinians alike, are residents of the city, the Palestinians have always chosen not to participate, not even in the municipal uh, elections in the, in, 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 in the city of Jerusalem. So they are totally, um, uh, they, they stand for themselves, they are not represented, as I said earlier, on the political level, they are, nor are they represented on the municipal level. Um, thirdly, in terms of the budget allocations on the part of the Israeli government and the municipality of Jerusalem to a community which now comprises of about 36% of the city, uh, the annual budget that goes to them is only around 10% of the entire budget of the city of Jerusalem. So go figure, these are the facts on the ground and the rest you can see in your own, from your own eyes. Talk to me about the Palestinian community since the uh, barrier in East Jerusalem was constructed. How have you seen uh, that community change? Has it become a more conservative community in terms of its uh, religious orthodoxy? We can see uh, conflicting, conflicting trends within the Palestinian community. Number one, and, um, soon after uh, uh, Israel took over the area that be, uh, came, became known as East Jerusalem, the Palestinians who lived there uh, really never belonged uh, to one community known as Jerusalem. They were mostly villagers who lived north of Jerusalem, close to, closer to Ramallah, south to Jerusalem, closer to Bethlehem, and some of them, yes, were Jerusalemites under the Jordanian uh, regime. So uh, the Israeli occupation or presence, in a way, made them into one unit. The Palestinians of East Jerusalem very much differentiated from the Palestinians of the West Bank. At the same time, they have never been able to uh, um, know not one political leader managed to emerge from them. Uh, the various Palestinian neighborhoods in Israel are still um, um, separated. They do not speak in one voice. Um, and as I said earlier, they are also not a part anymore of the Palestinian infrastructure or nationhood in the West Bank. There was a surprising finding in a public uh, uh, opinion survey you mentioned about uh, how Palestinian citizens uh, might see a two-state solution and what side of the border uh, they would rather live on. Can you talk to me about that? Yes, but first one correction. You said Palestinian citizens and you, mea you meant residents because we already spoke about that problem, that they are not really citizens of the State of Israel. But now to your question, this is one of the absurd of the absurd of the situation that in spite of everything that I've said so far, when uh, push comes to shovel, uh, they would prefer to stay on the Israeli side of the barrier or of the border or call it what you will, because life on that side is much better in terms of quality of life than life on the Palestinian side, uh, whereby there is a very problematic Palestinian authority. Uh, nobody still knows where the Palestinian Authority will take them, um, whether there will be a Palestinian state, if so, what's between Hamas and Fatah. So people do prefer, to a great extent, to remain on the Israeli side in spite of their political affiliations and beliefs. Is a two-state solution really feasible within the next ten years, and, and how might a two-state solution affect the city of Jerusalem and its residents? Well, I'm one of the people who always believe that the two-state solution is the only real solution to the conflict, uh, which means in one way or another that the whole area between the Mediterranean and the Jordan River 
needs to be divided between two peoples. Exactly where that divide will be, I don't know, but many, many experts already know that most of the West Bank will go back to the Palestinians um, uh, with some land swaps between Israel and Palestine. And in fact, there will be some special arrangements in and around East Jerusalem, definitely around the old city, but also in the rest of, the, of, uh, of East Jerusalem. Uh, the most famous uh, negotiations of, uh, conducted by President Clinton uh, dealt to a great extent with the issue of East Jerusalem, so definitely there will have to be a special arrangement for the city of Jerusalem. Nowadays, because the situation on the ground is so much different, and I would say more problematic than uh, the case was during the, uh, President Clinton, some people will say that an actual physical separation between East, East and West Jerusalem may not be possible anymore. Therefore, more and more people about more and more people now talk about the possibility of um, a symbolic, i.e., political separation, whereby there will be an Israeli capital on the west side of the city and a Palestinian capital in the east side of the city, but the city itself will still be administered as one municipal, maybe economical unit. Finally, tell me about your organization, Iramim, and the work you're doing. Well, first of all, the words Iramim in Hebrew mean both city of peoples and city of nations. And when we say peoples, we'll, we mean the energy that goes to uh, resolving the needs of the two peoples who do share the city of Jerusalem. And when we say city of nations, we mean that Iramim does work on the political level of how to solve uh, that conflict. The goal of Iramim is not to uh, uh, come, uh, not to conceive of yet another best, the best solution ever for the city of Jerusalem. There have been so many other attempts to do just that. The goal of Iramim is to outline the parameters on the ground that the leaders of the two sides, Palestine and Israel, as well as world leader, will have to consider if they want to achieve an agreement that uh, will be sustainable and feasible over the long period. So we outline what I call the parameters, i.e., who are the two communities who live in East Jerusalem? What are the needs? What are the beliefs? What is the economic situation? What is the security situation? Uh, what is the religion constraints that should uh, 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 make the decisions understand that this decision is better than that, that this solution is better than that, etc., etc., etc. Very hands-on, pragmatic uh, approach to the parameters on the ground. Amos Skill, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Chicago Policy Radio, a production of the Chicago Policy Review and the Harris School of Public Policy at the University of Chicago. Our podcast is produced and edited by Claire O'Hamlin and David Levine. Our theme song was composed and performed by Ryan Gee. Special thanks to Mark Bergen. You can find us at www.chicagopolicyreview.org and on iTunes, or email us at media at chicagopolicyreview.org. Thanks for listening, and join us next time.